Good morning, church. Great to see you. I look forward to being here every Sunday. I look forward to being with you every Sunday. I just want to tell you what a great group you are. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being present, not just in this space or in this time, but being present in all the places that you're present throughout the week. For with your presence comes the gift of God wherever you are. Well, this morning we're going to spend some time looking into the idea of the possibility of wisdom. What a great concept for us to explore in this day, in this age, in this season of life, because wisdom has great possibilities for us. We're in week three of our series, Created to Thrive. Remember in, verse, in the first week, we talked about the dwelling place of God, God in us, God among us, God with us. Last week, we talked about creating a place of belonging in that great space of God's collected people that gather and create a space of belonging because God is in us, God is among us, God is with us. And that place of belonging that says to those who gather, you need to be here when life is good, when life is difficult. This is the place where you are welcome when you are successful and when you fail. This is the place that you are welcome when you are righteous and when you have sinned. This is the place you are welcome to be when you don't want to be here. And could I just say, I think you do that well. Many of you walk with people who suffer. Many of you create space for people who have failed and you say, come on, this is the place to be, come on. And you do it with mercy and without judgment. And so thanks be to God that we create a place of belonging because it matters, because it's the thing that God calls us to do, to be a place of belonging. But this morning as we listen to our text being read from James chapter three, James places wisdom right at the center of our lives and our practice. Some of you may remember that two weeks ago on Sunday after worship service, I drove up to Rosamond, California to Willow Springs Racetrack to participate in the Armenian Worshiping Community's track day. And I got there about two o'clock in the afternoon. And as I walked into the pit area on the track, there were Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Corvettes, BMWs, some hot-tuned Toyotas, and my Hyundai Hybrid was out of place. Pastor Mono and his sister Mary finally found a young man and convinced him to give me a ride around the track. 
And they said, Pastor, you've got to put on a helmet. That's not good news. You got to keep your window down. So a young man by the name of Garo brought out his BMW M4, which came from the factory ready to race and ready to be on the street. And I get in this little tiny seat, clearly not made for me. And they hand me a helmet, we put the helmet on, and we fasten the seat belt, and Garo accelerates out of the pit onto the track. Now Willow Springs Raceway is a windy, curvy, up, down, around, back and forth racetrack. And as Garo accelerates that BMW out of, onto the track area, the wind goes ever faster through our helmets. And he races up that first incline and hits his brakes and goes around the corner. And then it goes down the hill a little bit into a hairpin turn. And that was my amen corner. <laughs> and I've got my hand on the hand grip on the inside of the door and on the console. I'm trying to squeeze myself in the place. And Garo comes down that hill and sees that hairpin turn. And what is really inspiring is that when you come down that hill and you see that hairpin turn, you see all these skid marks that go off the edge of the track. <laughs> and my prayer is, oh Jesus, I don't want to die. And Garo hits the brakes and makes that turn and we go up another incline and down the back stretch down the hill into a big sweeping turn and then hit the straightaway. And he accelerates and I'm trying to turn my head to see the speedometer and I can't see it. <coughs> and so then we make another lap. We come down that last sweeping turn into the straightaway and Garo says, wanna go one more lap? And wisdom says, I've had enough. I'm good, I think is what I said. But can I just tell you, it was thrilling to accelerate down that straightaway at 143 miles an hour. And there was this incredible day of ministry and witness to these people through the Armenian worshiping community. They start today the with a time of worship. And it was really an incredible moment. But wisdom knows when you've had enough. So I just wanna to say to us this morning that as we look at this idea of wisdom, James bring a different flavor to it than what I experienced on the track. Because in the passage that was read for us this morning in James chapter three, James teaches about wisdom in the community. You may remember that James wrote this letter to a congregation seeking to sustain them and instruct them and teach them in the early church. And so James and John and James chapter three talks about the character of wisdom and the impact of wisdom. 
And according to our passage this morning, wisdom is best understood by its outcomes. In other words, wisdom is understood best by what it produces. For James, the outcomes of wisdom from below and wisdom from above are described in ways we might call vices and virtues. So let's compare and contrast these vices and virtues. James' description of wisdom from below is characterized by a troubling list, bitter envy, selfish ambition, disorder, and evil practice. James' view of wisdom from above is characterized by an attractive list of virtues, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. And these lists of vices and virtues remind us of Jesus' list of beatitudes in Luke chapter six. And Paul's listing of deeds of the flesh and works of the spirit in Galatians chapter five, or traits of the kingdom of God in Romans 14. The impact of wisdom from below and wisdom from above is perhaps best seen in their contrasts, as James has described them. Wisdom from below is destructive to the community of faith. Wisdom from above is constructive for the community of faith. And so there's a question to be posed there. Does it build or does it tear down? Remember at the root, of wisdom from below is selfish ambition, self-interest. Self-interest in the community of faith will always be destructive. Wisdom from below is, is driven by one's self-interest where wisdom from above is driven by the interest of God's kingdom. Wisdom from below fragments the faith community and wisdom from above draws the faith community ever closer together. It is the path to a healthy place of belonging. It is the practice of wisdom from above that creates a healthy place of belonging. Another way to contrast these two lists of vices and virtues in verse 13, James makes it clear that God's will is for us to live wisely. Wisdom then for James has to do with both a grasp of God's will and a life that conforms to that will. And notice in verse 13 that the inference and the influence there is the word humility. We'll come back to that in a few moments. but wisdom from above is anchored in humility. Verses 14 to 16 reveal the outcomes of living under wisdom from below. There is instability in every corrupt practice which treats the community of faith irresponsibly. And verses 17 to 18 help us see that the wise person understands their responsibility to speak live and act wisely to protect and enhance the community of faith. Think about this for a moment. When James speaks to us of wisdom in the community, he's speaking to every one of us who are part of the community of faith. 
And he's saying that every one of us has a responsibility to live, to act, to speak wisely so that we might protect that place of belonging, so that we are in full recognition that God is in us and God is among us and God is with us. And James chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, calls us to enhance the thriving capacity of the community. Whenever self-interest and selfish ambition rear their head in the worshiping community, it diminishes the capacity for this place and any place to be a place of belonging. It diminishes the capacity for people to thrive in the kingdom of God. Because energies are then diverted to fending off and correcting when instead they could be given to teaching and encouraging. And so every one of us, James calls us to make a choice about how we will live and how we will speak and how we will care for the place of belonging. Wisdom from above is the way to live out and embody our treasuring of the place of belonging so that it's cared for and it's protected and it's strengthened and it's encouraged. Jeannie Oriala Sarao says, there's no place for behavioral that is harmful and disruptive in the community. So why does this kind of wise living and wisdom from above matter? Listen to Eugene Peterson. My conviction is that the church is the community that God has set at the center of the world to keep the world centered. One essential aspect of this centering is commonly called spiritual formation. The lifelong formation of the life of Christ in us it consists of what goes on between the moment we realize and accept our identity in Christ and that time when we sit down to the marriage supper of the Lamb. In other words, Eugene Peterson saying, we in the community of faith who desire to live wisely will be continuously formed by the Spirit of God. We never arrive at the place where God's forming work in us is over. I pastored in a church years ago and a gentleman said to me, I know all I need to know. He was successful, he was wealthy, And he said to me, I don't know why so-and-so, and he named a person that I knew well in the congregation, I don't know why she always has to keep reading and always has to keep learning. I don't understand that. And the day came when he lost everything.
and it was a tragedy. But think about that possibility. Think about how much you are loved by God when we think about the way God comes to us and gives God's self to us in such a way that God continues to form us and to shape us throughout the breath of life until, as Peterson says, we sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Think about that as a statement of love and adoration and care that God continues to shape us and to be with us. Which says to us, there is hope for us. And so as we are shaped individually, we are shaped as a community. And so the community of faith is dynamic and it is learning and it is being shaped and it is being the people of God in the way God intends for it to be. For God is in us and among us and with us. Now that we've talked about the character of wisdom and the impact of wisdom, we should probably talk about the definition of wisdom. Let's go back for a moment to James chapter one, verses five to eight. James, in the opening chapter, wrote these words, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I'm tempted to take a poll this morning. How many of you lack wisdom? We all do, don't we? We all do. But verse six says to us that you must believe is a choice between treasuring and trusting the wisdom of God over what we would choose to do in our own self-interest. You must believe and not doubt becomes an embodied act of humility. It is an act of humility to say, this is what I think, but this is God's direction. This is what I want, but this is what God is directing me to. It is an act of humility to surrender what I think. It's an act of humility for you to surrender what you think. And for all of us to say, Here's God. Here's God. It's an act of humility to say, well, I didn't get my way, but the body of faith has decided this. So I'm going to hear that as a word from the Lord. And I'm going to go there and surrender what I wanted. There's humility in wisdom. 
Doubting occurs when one questions the wisdom from above and seeks to weigh the pros and cons of wisdom from above and wisdom from below. You need to write this down, what I'm about to say. You need to write it down. You need to write it down. You do. Trust me. This is wisdom from right here. The question is whether we will treat God as king or treat God as consultant. The question is whether we will treat God as king or treat God as consultant. I have, in the course of my professional life, hired and worked with lots of consultants. Some good, some not so good. We hired a consultant one time in the Arizona district where I was chairman of the camp board. And his assignment was to help us understand what we needed to do in order to help the camp thrive. It had been losing money. The district advisory board said, fix it or we're going to shut it down. So we hired this consultant and he came in. Our first mistake was he was from Illinois. His number one recommendation was buy a camp by a lake. You know how many camps there are by a lake in Arizona? You know how many camps there are by lakes in Illinois? I mean, isn't, doesn't their license place say land of 10,000 lakes? At least it used to. The Arizona license plate says one lake. <laughs> but a consultant could not understand the context in which he was working. But to treat God as a consultant is to say, what you have said to me is a recommendation and I will give it consideration. when wisdom from above is not a recommendation. It is the invitation to obedience. It is the invitation to humility that says, what I have wanted is different than what God has said. And I will treat God as king and hear the voice of God as direction, as command. And humility displaces self-interest and selfish ambition. There's wisdom in humility. Without humility, God is a consultant. His word to us is recommendation rather than truth. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. gives us hope. Scott McKnight observes, wisdom transcends cognitive mystery, mastery of facts and information. It is, in, it is skill in living according to God's moral order. And the wise learn that skill through special scriptural revelation, personal experience of God, natural revelation, the traditions of their ancestors, and observations of both humans and nature. 
Furthermore, the wise person is skilled in discernment and judgment, rendering not only intelligent, but godly decisions. Who among us needs wisdom? It is not what we know that makes us wise, James would say. It is how we live with what we know that is the evidence of wisdom. It's the outcomes of our decisions that gives evidence of wisdom from above. Thriving wisely is rooted in humility and a wholehearted trust in God's wisdom. Yesterday afternoon, actually yesterday morning, Joan and I were in Sun City, Arizona, and I officiated a funeral service for a longtime friend. Paul Rollins' favorite verse was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. We know that passage well here, don't we, at this church from the teaching and writing of Pastor Earl Lee so many years ago. But think about what that verse says to us in the context of wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not as a consultant. Lean not on your own understanding Practice humility. In all your ways, submit to him. Give up your right to your own position. And God will make your path straight. Our friend Paul Rollins was a strong-willed gentleman He had what I like to call confident opinions. Anybody, you know anybody with confident opinions? Any of you that person? But Paul Rollins was also a man who practiced and lived out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. When his confident opinion didn't prevail, he didn't get bitter. He didn't pursue selfish ambition. He heard God's voice in the voice of the church. And he embraced that and embodied that passage. When we talk about embodied theology, we're talking about the theology that we do that we do and where we go when the voice of God speaks is what we do it's what we embody people thriving in the dwelling place of God have settled their source of wisdom where's your source of wisdom from Mm 